Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for week four of our Acts to the Ends of the Earth series. I know we're looking at a big week, investigating more in the book of Acts, specifically with Saul and also the expansion of the gospel. But before we get started, I have a very important question to ask you, and that question is, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? you think it's going to be the Chiefs, or do you think it's going to be the Buccaneers? Go ahead, and in the comment section, let us know who you think is going to take it home this year. I know as we kind of think about that, um, about being the winner, um, that's kind of how we need to look at uh, this week, is that there's some serious underdogs in this story in Acts chapter 8. There's kind of ordinary people, and they're actually the ones that get elevated to be the heroes in this story. They're the ones that are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and sharing it, and as a result, the world is being changed. So if you will, go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 40. It starts off with a very interesting story um, about Saul. It's interesting to note that right before we're reading this, we actually see the first Christian mar- martyr. And that person is, of course, Stephen. Um So kind of keep that in mind as we read through Acts chapter 8, that that was the last thing that happened right before we uh, read this. Again, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 40, starting at verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Just kind of stop there for a minute. Think about that. This is Saul that later becomes Paul that we highly regard in the Christian faith. That's a very interesting sentence to find there. Let's go ahead and move on. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women, to throw them into prison. Here we see again the zealousness of Paul, then uh, Saul, throwing people into prison for the gospel and being followers of the way. Now let's look at verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming, and they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the Great One or the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's good message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. 
the same Holy Spirit that we find in Acts chapter 2, just a few weeks ago. Verse 16, The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their heads upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. It's a really interesting thing we see here. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord, and perhaps he will forgive you your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said will not happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of God of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they spotted many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. It's a really incredible story we see about this sorcerer. And then it again kind of shifts gears here in verse 26 to another just kind of everyday person uh, being out and about in normal everyday life, and something incredible happens. And this is a very familiar story we see in verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kendeg, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I understand unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up in the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture they were reading was this, He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And there's this really interesting dialogue we see right after they read this in 33. Verse 34 says, The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or about someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Versitus, and preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So interesting bits of scripture we see here just about ordinary people and ordinary life really having almost these divine moments where people are coming to know the Holy Spirit, people are coming to be influenced by the Word of God, and in a lot of cases, uh, they're learning about the Messiah. And so we see heavy themes here of witnessing, definitely persecution, 
It is a little bit risky, and there is some really great divine awesome moments in this. Um, it's as if Acts is screaming to us that God's kingdom is going to spread from Jerusalem into the rest of the world. It's going to go to Samaria, it's going to go to Judea, but it's going to continue bursting forth and getting spread through often ordinary people. Because the kingdom of God in the story advances not by extraordinarily gifted and talented people, but by ordinary everyday people who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's huge here. So, remember before we started, at the close of Acts 7, Stephen becomes the very first Christian martyr. Before this, the church had experienced persecution through threats, through being arrested, and some spent the night in jail. However, now that Stephen was martyred, it actually changed the entire game for everybody. The oppression begins to rise. And the days as they were, they won't be. Um, now it's life or death. And Acts 8, 1-3 informs us that Saul approved of the killing of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul loved actually destroying the church. He looked forward to it. He was going from house to house and he dragged off families, even separated them, to put them in jail uh, because they were looking for the Messiah. And really up until this point, Jerusalem had been the total epicenter of everything regarding the church. It's not to say that the kingdom of God wasn't in other places or does it, that it hadn't already infiltrated other cities, but Paul later testifies that many a time uh, he went from one synagogue to another having people punished, and he even tried to force them to blasphemy God. He was so obsessed with persecuting them that he even hunted them down in foreign cities, and that actually is directly from Acts 26 verse 11. But however, after the stoning of Stephen, the kingdom of God actually begins to spread like wildfire, not because of strategic planning, um, but because of persecution. It's interesting that when persecution happens, it acts uh, like a growth agent to the church. Um, in some cases, um, it brings about a huge harvest. And we have to think about that in our context. Um, sometimes we so often uh, resort to strategic planning meetings or a new PR campaign, um, a new marketing campaign, new graphics. Um, but persecution actually in the history of the church is actually the quickest uh, growth agent that the church has seen. And we see that happen here in Acts chapter 8. Um, Verse 4 also states that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And I, thought, I think this is interesting. The apostles remained in Jerusalem, but the witnesses um, that went out from there were literally ordinary people. They were ordinary followers of Jesus. And what is important is that these tasks um, were possible because they were empowered with the Spirit of God. It wasn't just for the apostles or the primary church leaders, it was for everybody. Every follower of Jesus had the privilege, uh, the opportunity, the responsibility to be a witness for Jesus. This task wasn't just reserved for the church leadership or for the elected. It was for 
everyone. And that's a great message for us today, that it isn't just the job of the pastors or those that are on the stage um, to share the gospel. Uh, literally, we can share the gospel wherever we are, whether we're working in a fast food restaurant or we're unemployed or whether we literally are the mayor of a city. We can preach the gospel wherever we are. Let's go ahead and now move to verses 26 through 40. Uh, This encounter that Philip has with the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, This passage is huge because there's some powerful applications here uh, really related to the mission of God. First, God actually here initiates everything. He initiates Philip by directing him to take a certain journey. Um, And Philip, with that leading, does so. And he obeyed and he comes across as Ethiopian eunuch. Next, the Holy Spirit directed him to go over to the chariot and stay by it. Philip obeyed, and he heard the man reading from Isaiah, which is quite interesting. Philip saw this as a divine moment, and he seized it, which led him to have a divine conversation. Interestingly enough that you and I may never have an angel tell us, uh, hey, go this way, go stand by this person. Um, However, if we pray for God's guidance and seek to live lives filled by the Holy Spirit, He will guide and direct us. Third, God does His work always usually through people. God did not send an angel to help the Ethiopian, but instead He sent Philip to help him. The Ethiopian testified to his need to have someone explain what he is reading. So God invites us to partner with him in extending his kingdom here on earth. And finally, God was already at work. This is really important to remember that uh, usually God's looking for us to partner with him, but he's already at work. God already had prepared the heart of the Ethiopian to receive the testimony of Philip. And the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah 53 before Philip even arrived. So as we cross paths with ordinary people, know that God is already actively working in their lives. It's true that God often uses unqualified, inexperienced, under-resourced people to extend His kingdom here on earth. And as the story unfolds in Acts, we see this play out over and over again, that ordinary people were always typically the key players in the spreading of the gospel. Through them, the good news spreads to families, to friends, to neighbors. Uh, And this means um, that God can use us, that he's still calling us to go share this news with the same groups of people, with families and friends and neighbors. Um, I want you to kind of think about who you come into contact with in a week um, that literally are in your sphere of influence, whether it be your co-workers, whether it be your spouse and your children, uh, whether it be maybe a, a social group that you're a part of. Maybe like a, you know, maybe it's like a Bible study throughout the week uh, or a small group. Um, Maybe it's a hobby group you have, whether you get together with some guys for coffee or maybe you put together cars or ride bikes together or whatever it might be. But think about who's in your sphere of influence, about how you could uniquely share the gospel with them. Um, Now, I'll share with you a story. I know a few years ago, um, I was actually uh, living in north central Oklahoma And um, me and my wife are pastors for the Salvation Army, and we were actually at a health fair. We were there with our Boys and Girls Club and sharing information about how 
Um, if your children become part of our program, that we can help them get, uh, you know, fit and have them go through nutrition classes and things like that. And uh, I had this older gentleman who came by our booth, um, who was a Vietnam vet, and he laid a refrigerator magnet on the table and he says, "Hey, give me a call sometime." And he literally walked off and left. And I thought, well, man, that's kind of interesting. Uh, he really didn't stick around to have a conversation. So um, I literally went home and took that magnet and I put it on my refrigerator and I left it there for months. And uh, a few months later, I'm walking past this and I literally just feel like I'm supposed to call this number. And so I end up calling the number and I don't get a hold of the guy, but I get a hold of a younger person. Um, this person was in their late 20s. And I uh, just kind of told him who I was, and I was looking for his dad. And he says, "Oh yeah, my dad talked quite a bit about you. You're the Salvation Army guy, right?" And I said, "Yeah, that's that's it." And so he said, "Yeah, he actually gave that to you because he was actually passing along information for me. Um, that that uh, magnet is my business. I just moved here, and I'm trying to get my business off the ground. Uh, he actually owned a bicycle shop. And so I said, "Yeah, that's cool." Um, and he says, "Hey, are you interested in riding bikes?" Um, I said, "No, not really." I said, "I've really never done anything like that. I'm not really interested." Um, and he says, "Well, hey, just come over sometime." So I end up going over uh, to this guy's house, and uh, come to find out, uh, his entire garage was like this this bike repair shop. I mean, he had parts everywhere. There's bikes everywhere. And um, his parents, the guy that had given me the magnet, they actually stayed with him. And I thought it was their house, and he still lived at home.、Uh, come to find out, he was a diesel mechanic as well. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. So I started going back a little bit more, just because I was kind of intrigued by this guy. He was a lot of fun to hang around. Come to find out, he actually it was his home, and he took care of both of his parents. They were both disabled, and he just enjoyed the fellowship of putting together bicycle parts with people. And so he said, hey, let's.、Uh, I have a project for us, and I said, "Well, what's that?" He says, "Well, why don't you go ahead and just order all these different parts, and then you can come over in your spare time, and we'll put it together." And I thought, "Well, hey, that might be kind of fun." And so we started putting together this bike, and then eventually, me and him started riding together and mountain biking, and ended up becoming really good friends. I got exposed to some of his friends that he had, that he had grown up with, and they're they were kind of a pretty rough bunch. You know, we'd go out and. You know, they would crack open a few beers and just chill. And I really never introduced myself as the pastor. I just said, "Hey, I'm I'm Brad. I'm just here to kind of hang out with you guys and ride tonight," and just kind of left it at that. Well, after a few months of doing this,、um, we had actually had a pretty big event over one weekend, and our our story ended up coming out in the paper. And、um, a lot of the guys that I went riding with, they asked about it. One of them says, "Oh man, I saw you in the paper. You're a pastor." And I said, "Yeah." And、uh, he said, "Well, man, you know, we've been cussing and we've been drinking and doing all this stuff. Why didn't you say anything about it?"、And、I said, "Well, I just wanted to spend time with you and get to know you."、And、I said, "It wasn't about coming here and and getting you all saved on the first thing." I said, "But I said I just wanted to hang out with you guys and and spend a good time. And then whenever the time is right, then we can talk about that when you guys are ready." And what's so interesting is really after that they had so many questions,、uh, so many questions about faith. Um, and they asked some pretty hard questions, but I'll never forget that literally from a refrigerator magnet, all that happened, all that came out,、um, and I never would have got to meet any of those guys had it not been for that meeting. And I think back on that, it's like that had to have been God's leading 
um, to lead me to those people because those were a group of people that were not exposed to the gospel at all. Uh, what's wild is not too long after all this happens, um, the gentleman that I had met, his father actually passed away from cancer. Um, and they literally didn't have a home church, didn't have anything. And uh, I had the incredible opportunity of leading that family through that time. And uh, this is still a person now that still keeps in touch with me after all these years. And that was over eight years ago. And I just think about that and think about, man, that's that's what happens when people are exposed to the gospel. It's, it's not about us. It's just about ordinary people living their lives and sharing the good news where they are. And with that, it makes me uh, ask a few questions in our time of closing. The question is, how has God used difficulties and hard times in your life to impact the lives of others? And that's an incredible question. Again, how has God used difficulties and hard times in your life to impact others? Second question is, do you believe that God can and will use you for his kingdom and glory? Again, a lot of people think, oh, there's nothing special about me. I don't have this list of qualifications. There's no way he could use me. Or sometimes we go down the roads of, um, I can't be redeemed. I've done too many bad things. There's no way he could use me. But the reality is this story in Acts says otherwise. It says that he uses ordinary people to take the gospel to places and, and impact those communities where they are. And the last question is, how does knowing that God is already at work in the lives of others bring confidence and boldness to your life as you witness for Jesus where you are? Again, how does knowing that God is already at work in the lives of others bring confidence and boldness to your life as you witness for Jesus? Hope that you're encouraged by this story in Acts chapter 8. It's an incredible passage where literally the church is exploding just because of ordinary people like you and me being filled with the Spirit. It is important to note here that these people are filled with the Spirit. They're not going out in their own power. Um, they're doing it in partnership with God, and that's important to note. But I pray that through the reading of Acts chapter 8 that you can be encouraged, that you can have boldness to go share your faith with those in your sphere of influence this week. Thank you for stopping by and joining us for week four of our Acts to the Ends of the Earth series. Again, if you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, please feel free to drop those in the comment section. And again, thank you for joining us. Have a great evening. Take care.